0: Annyang, hola, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. Uh, I'm delighted to have all of you joining me for uh, yet another episode. I, I, I'm sorry, if, if it sounds like I've been doing meth, it's because I have for the last five and a half hours. And I'm mainlining it in the form of Masters Golf. Uh, guys, I, I have to start out with this. It, it's not even on topic, but... Obviously, the Masters is getting close, so maybe it is a little on topic, but as of a couple of days ago, the powers that be at the Masters have posted the final round Sunday at Augusta National for every Masters tournament from 1968 until now. The full Sunday broadcast is available at the Masters YouTube channel, and it is so awesome. I just got done. With a nice little 4 hours and 15 minutes of Tiger's victory in 2005. Uh, I watched a little bit of Seve's uh, 1983 victory. Which, by the way, you have to go and listen to the song at the beginning of the 1983 telecast. It is sensational. I I may even actually see if I can do some uh, crafty little editing here. And uh, put it either at the end of this podcast or at the beginning of another podcast here in the next couple weeks. But... Anyway, if you will love the Masters like I do, go check out the Masters YouTube channel. Every Sunday telecast from 1968 through 2017 is available for your viewing consumption, and it is fantastic. Big uh, a big thank you to the the powers that be at Augusta National. Now, now that I've done, uh, you know, I'm done telling you about how pathetic my life is. That all I do is watch, you know, Masters tournaments from yesteryear uh, on, on a Tuesday evening. Um, I am excited to bring you uh, uh, another portion of my interview with Darren Bunch, uh, who goes by Golf Getaways on Instagram, Getaways Golf on Twitter. Uh, Darren is an insider of the golfing industry. He is the uh, former publisher uh, of Fairways and Greens Magazine, uh, and now actually works with Golf News Net, and he is also involved in Pacific Gales. Uh, and if you're unfamiliar with what Pacific Gales is, it is a new golf development project on the Oregon coast, uh, just about 45 minutes south of Bandon. Um, and it has the potential to be the next great seaside links in America. So Darren is involved in that project, uh, and he was kind enough uh, as part of the you know the extended sit-down I did with him a week or two ago. Uh, we went in-depth for about an hour just talking about all things Pacific Gales, kind of what the project uh, has in store, kind of what the, the progress has been like, you know, kind of what his vision is for what the resort will ultimately be when it opens up here in a couple of years. So just a really good conversation, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good stuff from Darren. It's getting me excited to uh, head back up to Oregon and go golfing again. And heck, if this place actually does end up opening up in a couple of years, uh, it's just all the more reason to take double the amount of trips up to the Oregon coast uh, to go play some golf. So without any further delay, uh, let's just get right to it. Uh, This is Darren Bunch, uh, Golf Getaways, uh, talking Pacific Gales here on the Golf Guide Podcast. All right. I got one little transition for you, Mr. Bunch, and then I got to jump in. I got to ask you, I got to pick your brain about Pacific Gales because I'm just so curious about a bunch of different stuff going on up there. But. The fo- the one transition question I had for you is I, I went back to your Twitter account. Uh, I think it might have been yesterday just to you know make sure that I wasn't missing anything. Because I remember something very specific about your Twitter profile, and it happened to be missing. And I'm wondering if it is diet-related or if it's just because you didn't have enough room. But as somebody who loves and pretty much tries to eat a piece of C's candy every single day... I, I, I noticed that your affection and you know proclamation of love for Scotch Mellows is missing. What what gives? Oh, Kyle, let me tell you about the Scotch Mallow. <laughs> we should I guess we should tell the listeners what uh, who
1: don't know what sees Candy is a is a locally owned candy shop uh, franchise here. I don't I guess it's a franchise. I, I, I'm, here, I know it's at least in California. I know we have one. Yeah, here here in the West. Yeah, and um, uh, the Scotch Mallow is uh, quite possibly the perfect candy of all time. It is, uh, it is dark chocolate, uh, marshmallow, and caramel, basically. Mm. And um, I fell in love with it. I've been eating scotch mellows since I was uh, uh, old enough to re- know what a scotch mellow is. It's it's a huge deal in my family. Uh, it's probably part of the reason I'm pre-diabetic at this point. You <laughs> never know. Um, but just just to tell you how much I love them, uh, I, I, I turned – Back in January, I turned 50 years old. And as my gift to myself for my 50th birthday, I went into the to the seized candy place here near my house where they know me quite well uh, because I come in and I get a handful of scotch mellows occasionally. And I came in and she said, "Okay, so you want a small bag of scotch mellows? I said, actually, it's my birthday turning 50, I would like a two-pound box of Scotch Mellows. And she goes, are they just for you? And I go, I, maybe, I don't know. And so a few other people ate some of them, but in the course of a week, I plowed, plowed through a two-pound box of Scotch Mellows. And uh, um, I think that says a lot about me. And and then immediately went on a cleanse diet uh, that I've been on ever since. So uh, yeah, uh, seized candy is just if you're coming to California and you've never had C's candy, uh, I also highly recommend the butterscotch kisses. They're probably the best like piece of caramel that you
0: can ever put in your mouth. Darren, you are a hero among all us C's fans out there. <laughs> I, I I thought you were gonna go with a custom you know pound box of scotch Mallows, and then you went and doubled up on it and went two pounds. And I was like, this guy does not mess around. This 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 is a serious serious cat. And that's the other thing is that uh, my my mom got me hooked and. I, and Scotch mallow was the one piece of C's candy that basically got me hooked to now to the point where I'm just a complete C's junkie. I will eat anything, including the weird ones that have the cherries in the middle of them. It doesn't matter yeah. to me. They're all like they're all good. And obviously some are better than the others. I I kind of if I'm going for a favorite, I kind of go back and forth between a Bordeaux and a Scotch Mallow. But when I was a little kid, it, they were so good, I always envisioned them being like drugs. Like oh is this is this is this what people who do drugs is this what they feel like <laughs> and like as I was like, I'm like oh it's basically just crack you know meth wrapped into one little legal chocolate coating of an outside and then it just gives it to you it's just oh man it's just so good well that's the I have people I have people who will eat the others like I, it seems
1: like not long ago they did some kind of special it was a mint. It was a mint scotch mellow, and mm. I thought, wow, that sounds amazing. And my brother and I got some of them. I took them up to him, and then uh, and we tasted them. We're like, no, I
0: just, it needs to just be the scotch mellow. Oh, I, I agree. And it's, it's, it's even more wild that my fiancé, when I first met her, she did not like chocolate. Now, first of all, that was a red flag, and I was like, oh, I don't know if we can hang <laughs> out. I don't even know if I could be in the same room as you. You don't like chocolate. Are you an alien? I don't really know. And my mom... And the first time she came to celebrate Christmas with our family, my mom dropped a couple of those little like bigger Scotch Mallow bars into her Christmas stocking. And she looked at her when, you know, she's like, thank you so much, but I I don't really like chocolate. And my mom just looked at her. She goes, honey, just trust me on this. Just, (laughs) just eat one of those. And now it's gotten to the point where my mother for Valentine's Day, she sent us a handpicked box, a one pound box for Valentine's Day. And the 2 thirds of it was just scotch mallows and the other nice. you know, that part of it was bordeaux and i left town for a weekend uh to go play some golf actually in monterey and i came back the whole thing was gone not even just the scotch mallows she has now gone so far off the deep end that she is infringing into my bordeaux so it's it's starting to become quite an issue
1: i think my whole family has has favorites and i think my dad's is the bordeaux uh, but my mom and i and my brother are all scotch mallow fans and we also uh we also eat the molasses chips
0: uh, oh, like they're going, a...
1: they're going out of style. So oh. I can't, I can't even, because they're not as filling as the scotch mill.
0: I can't have them around or otherwise I would just eat them nonstop. Oh, see, the thing is my mom was trying to tell me something crazy and she, she's like for, you know, for her new year's resolution, she's trying not to eat any more C's candy until my wedding <laughs> in June. Cause she's like, I just can't do it. There's more sugar or calories in a single piece of C's candy than you're supposed to have over the course of an entire day. And I was like, don't tell me that. I don't want to know that. When I eat C's candy, I want to sit down and eat four pieces. I want to feel like a fat ass, and I want to enjoy myself. You can't tell right. me that stuff. But I guess four this... pieces. Like, I could stop at four pieces. <laughs> well, so here's a basic question. You're saying anybody that comes out for a golf trip on the West Coast, obviously they should stop at C's candy and try it if they haven't already. But between In-N-Out and C's, what's more of a West Coast food staple on a golf trip? Well you have to do
1: both. Yeah. Clearly. I know. Yeah. I mean, I it's it's funny. I, I obviously I like my food. Anybody who listens to our podcast knows that Mitch and I uh, you know eat. I I'm a milkshake aficionado. Yes. I've become a fudge aficionado. Um, uh, just south of Pacific Gales and in, in, in um, Gold Beach, there's a little flower shop that has a, a homemade fudge counter in the back corner. And anytime I drive through Gold Beach now I have to get I have to get fudge. Um, no, uh, but but obviously, uh, I eat at In N Out Burger regularly. If you've been here, I mean, if you if you're not from here, you're not from someplace that has In N Out Burger, uh, you got to come, you know, at least eat enough at In N Out Burger to figure out what your own signature uh request is, you know, what your what your signature meal is. Me personally, I get a one by three, mm. so I'm only getting one uh patty of meat but i'm getting three slices of cheese very nice so uh uh yeah it's a it's a heart attack special
0: i see for me like i my my friends tell me that i'm crazy but it sounds like you're a little bit more on the same level as me i actually think the single patty tastes better than the double double my friends are like oh you're you know you're you're such a yeah you're you're a little girl yeah yeah. i'm like listen (laughs) i i just think the meat to condiment you know, proportion in the single patty makes for a more delicious burger. I'd rather go eat two cheeseburgers and eat a single double-double. I'm with you. I'm with you. Same uh, way. uh, Yeah. Anyway, and then uh, one one last little one for you, Dan, before we jump into Pacific Gales. Uh, I I also remember hearing something and reading on your Twitter bio that you are quite the Scotch aficionado. Um, If you're traveling around, what are some different places on the West Coast that you found have really good Scotch bars I mean, obviously, the one that comes to my mind is the Bunker Bar because they got scotch and cigars. But if you're, if there's a lot of golfers out there that love, you know, a good glass or five of scotch, what, what what are some of the better golf courses or destinations or resorts you've been to that really cater to the scotch drinker?
1: Boy, that's an excellent question. I don't know about on the West Coast here. I, I'd say you'd have to be at the resorts, which are obviously going to be a little bit pricey when you're when you're getting them. It seems like I've drank uh, my fair amount of scotch down at Pelican Hill. Mm. Um uh you know I, I think it's it's more about knowing what you want and just hoping to seek it out um in in, in drinking scotch uh our most recent one of our most recent podcasts about New Brunswick I uh, went to a place called the Lunar Rogue pub uh up in Fredericton New Brunswick and the the gentleman there who runs the place Uh, I forget what the number is. He's just got, he's got more scotch than you know what to do with. (laughs) And we got to sit and talk with him, and he did tasting with us. And um, if you're not a scotch drinker or you've dabbled in it, if you can get with somebody who really knows what they're doing, and I'm not that guy, I'm just, I'm still learning all the time. um, You know, you can really start to discover some of the things. Uh, Our episode of the podcast that went up today, 91 with Tom Mackin from uh, Troon Golf and Travel uh, he's the one who got Mitch and I into Highland Park mm. uh, when we were on a. I was on a trip with him to Scotland, to Scotland, and uh, uh, it, it's become one of my favorites. Um, I'll tell you, who has an extraordinarily good Scotch menu, though. Uh, if you get up to Cabot Links, uh, they've got a crazy good menu up there of, uh, of different scotches as well. Um, and then, you know, you gotta, you gotta go. Try to find the other fun stuff. Mitch and I have been talking a lot about from that from that trip to Atlantic Canada. Uh, they got us into maple maple infused whiskey, uh, a brand called Sortilege that uh, I keep I keep saying is like drinking pancakes, huh. and uh, I can't find it in the states. Although my friend Pete Flanagan, who is regripped on Twitter. Uh, has told me he believes he's going to be able to find some, and he's joining us on this Goat Hill Park trip in a few weeks. And so uh, if he shows up with Sortelage of Lodge when he's there, uh, I'm going to be just out of my mind. He already showed up on a trip. Uh, he joined me for a trip in Wisconsin last summer and showed up there with uh, with some Journeyman whiskey, uh, which is uh, a friend of mine, uh, Bill Welter, who uh, – uh, does his has a whiskey distillery out in Michigan, and um, yeah, Pete just showed up at the at the trip with uh, with a selection of journeyman whiskeys. So uh, there's a lot of good drinking to be had out there. And if you've got friends who love to search it out, and you're a guy who likes to search it out, um, you know, finding the right scotch or whiskey is is a, is a fun uh, kind of side hobby to have as as a golfer.
0: Yeah, I agree. Now, how's this for a transition? What is the scotch collection? or an availability going to be like at Pacific Gales. <laughs> uh, I will assume that we will have a, uh, a wide range of
1: uh, spirits and beverages that people uh, enjoy uh, imbibing. Is that yeah, the right word? That, imbibing?
0: Sure. Yeah. D- d- I think it sounds great. I mean, I- I'm not hundred percent sure what it means, but I'm not going to admit that, you know, uh, here on the airwaves. So I'm just nodding my head, which obviously is very, you know, very, very good for the radio, but uh,
1: no, yeah, man. Our- Our goal at at Pacific Gales, obviously, is to uh, create an experience that makes people want to come back. And whether that's food, beverage, lodging, uh, you know, and then obviously the golf course itself. We want to build the best, most fun, enjoyable, scenic golf course that we possibly can build. And, um, you know, I think we have a team in place of people Obviously, I've traveled a lot and seen a lot of things, and I've got a lot of resources on that end of things. Uh, the guys who are building the golf course, Dave, uh, Dave Esler uh, has a t- uh, top 100 golf course in Black Sheep outside Chicago under his belt. Uh, he's done work all over the country. Jim Haley has built the uh, Lynx-style golf all over the world, um, you know, a- including uh, working on Bandon Dunes uh Troy Russell as i mentioned has been um not only was he the superintendent at Bandon Dunes but you know he's one of these guys who has been on the crew um for major championships on the grounds crew for major championships over the years so uh we've got kind of a diverse interesting team and um i you know i think we will be able to put something together we're constantly talking about what the best practices are and what the things are that we want that we've seen over the years uh, that will make people want to come back, make people want to stay there, spend plenty of time there, and uh, you know, just just make Pacific Gales a home for the golf traveler.
0: Totally, man. And uh, you know obviously, you know, like we've already mentioned multiple times on this very podcast, you've seen a lot of golf courses. you've experienced a lot of cool diverse different things that different golf courses offer to their guests and i guess i'm just kind of curious is is there a couple things that really stand out for you that maybe you've seen somewhere else you're like oh that is super cool we should really think about trying to do something similar to that at pacific gales well i mean i'm trying to rethink
1: the lodging mm-hmm. i mean that's one of the big things for me um I want to create a lodging experience that has everything, every question answers, every question that I have when I go places Mm -hmm. and at the same time, does not need to be high end over the top five star? Um, a guy the other day, we posed this question on the Pacific Gales Twitter account and a guy said, uh, look, I don't need a bathrobe. And I'm like, okay, I mean, I, I understand where he's coming from in there. You know, that, that there are some things that are just crazy over the top that you don't need to do. Focus on the things that are service related and in the construction that makes sense. One of the things I love at Bandon is rooms that are double occupancy, but have two bathrooms. And cause I think that people, when they are traveling together, if you're trying to travel together on a budget so you're going to share a room which i hate doing anyway <laughs> but if you're doing that having two bathrooms is essential because for me the time the if 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 you're on a golf trip and i don't know maybe you're this way maybe you're not Kyle but i'm assuming from our conversation you are you're going to play as much golf as possible yes then you're going to follow that by eating and drinking as much as possible yes And then you might follow that by playing cards or shooting pool or doing bunker bar activities or whatever as much as possible. Check, check, check. Okay. So now we've arrived at one or two in the morning and our tea time is at seven the next morning. So our sleeping time has to be one. Perfect. Has to be really good. I have to be able to lay down and be comfortable and go to sleep. The other thing is I don't want to get up earlier than I have to, to make that tea time. So if you can cut down the little shimmy-do dance that you have to do with your buddy and, oh, you go take a shower first, I'll take a shower, blah, 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 you can cut all that stuff out, you're saving yourself time. You're also giving yourself a little bit of privacy because if you're on a buddy trip with guys and you're sharing a room, you are with the other guy you're sharing the room with the entire time. Mm. And I like my friends, but – you know, give me, give me, I, I'd like to just be able to just give me my own bathroom. Let me have a little bit of refuge for just a moment <laughs> of my own, you know? And so and not have to worry about the other guy. So to me, that's one of the things that we have this discussion all the time. I, 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 you know, because I, there are other people on our team and other people I talk to, that doesn't matter to them at all. But for the person like me who it does matter to, it's the reason I go back to certain lodging places. Uh, and uh, certain lodging types because there are things like that that appeal to me as as the type of traveler I am and the trick in building the right lodging for a destination club is not only finding what you and your own personal experience think think works but being able to build something that's multifunctional enough for the guy who doesn't care about that, but also for the guy who does care about that, and will spend more money for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I so that's agree more.
1: that's one of the big conversations that we have going on uh, about that, and, and and across the board service-wise, you know, what where is that line of thinking for the guest to the point where they instinctively know that you care about what it is they care about but not going over the top of that where you're just getting gaudy for gaudy's sake or or uh uh you know getting too much in everybody's business I guess is the, the way to say
0: it sure so i guess from from a lodging perspective um it, if you had to i guess maybe identify one or a couple different you know resorts themselves in terms that you look to like, oh, I think we kind of want to do something obviously not exactly like it. You want to have, you know, Pacific Gales be its own thing and have unique aspects of everything uh, that you can't get at other places. But is something like you see at Bandon where there's a variety of different lodging types and they're a little bit spread out. Is that sort of, you know, along the lines of the blueprint that you're kind of thinking of for something like Pacific Gales? Well, we're in a different situation in the
1: way that that we have to go about it because, we don't have a destination resort status for for the, the, for the Knapp Ranch. Mm-hmm. So we can't build lodging on the golf course property. So what we did was we acquired land next door. Mm-hmm. And that land is zoned though in a way that we can't build a hotel there. We have to build, essentially we have to build villas, villas and cottages. Okay. And so what we want is multifunctional villas and cottages. Now if the zoning allowed, Personally, I would build, you talked about other places. Um, When I took my trip to Cabot last year, I stayed at a hotel called the Alt Hotel in Halifax that is attached to the airport in Halifax. And they were individual rooms, one bed, one bathroom, and they were small, small enough, but really well thought out. And if it were up to me, we'd build eight of those on the ground floor of a house, essentially, and then we build a second floor that had kitchen, game room, TV room, laundry, common area, basically. I like that. And that way, you could have you could have guys, you could have a foursome in there. You could have an eightsome in there. People can share the common area however they want to, or a group could come in and take the whole thing. Uh, that and but what we will most likely end up doing is we will build. A four bedroom, probably six and a half bath type of a thing where the bed, four bedrooms, double occupancy on the bottom floor and then that game room on top. Now, we're still trying to develop how this all works and how it put together. But if I had my druthers, that's how probably the best multifunctional way we could do it is because then you not only you accommodate the people who would want the room to themselves. But you also accommodate the guys who are budget conscious who want a double occupancy in a room, you know, and save money that way. So that's kind of the way I think about it. When I think of a great double occupancy room to model after, um, you cannot beat the, the Lodge at StreamSong. It's probably the best double occupancy rooms I've found um, they're just, they're so well constructed and every detail in them is, is perfect. And, you know, when I, when I think about what I would do, um, it would be something that, uh, that feels
0: like kind of what they've created there. Sure. Now I, I've never actually been to stream song. I, I obviously I hear a lot of people with, you know, the, the East coast band comparisons and things like that. How how does the lodging stack up with Bannon? Cause the one takeaway I had from the first time I stayed at Bannon, which, I'm like you. I was not there when there was even two golf courses. The very first time I was there was the year after trails had opened. But as somebody who got his degree in hotel management and, you know, and all this kind of stuff like that. And I worked in hotels for a number of years after I graduated from college. So the one takeaway that I had was how spacious and luxurious yet very, very simple everything was that it had everything. It felt like a golfer needed without any unnecessary frills um, is, yes. that, is that kind of what stream song was like? And is that sort of a similar type of vibe you think you guys will be shooting for at Pacific Gales?
1: Stream song is much more of a high end hotel. Okay. And, and, uh, you know, and I say that in a good way because there are ways to say that it's not in a good way, right. You know, band and, band and strength at this point, after all these years is in the variety of room types and the variety of areas that you can stay in the variety of price points that they can offer. Mm-hmm. And, I'm with you. I think sometimes when I'm in a room at Bandon, I've been in rooms that I feel like are too big. I, I, you know, that the, that the, the space planning maybe isn't quite what it was. And I understood, I understand why that is. I understood what they were trying to do when they, when they did it. I think maybe, I think if they had it to do all over again at Bandon, they would do more what they've done at sand Valley. Um, those rooms are space-planned a little bit better, mm-hmm. uh, but that doesn't mean I don't like the rooms abandoned because I, you know I've never stayed in a room I haven't liked. Sure. Um, and like I said, they've got tons of different price points. For us, we need to be we need to be a little more space-conscious and a little more multifunctional in what we do uh, because we won't be able to continue to add more and more beds as we go along without having to do more and more permitting and land planning and, and all that type of thing. So, um, we also, because we won't, we're limited in space on the clubhouse. We're limited in space in other ways, uh, by our conditional use permit, like the bunker bar, we, we, we can't have something like the bunker bar or probably won't. So, the things that you engage in as a group in the bunker bar, we need to move to the lodging experience, and so that's that's why each of the of the villas hopefully will have you know a small bar, a a, a game room, something like that, gotcha. so that you have that you know a card table, those types of things, so that you you have that camaraderie. Um, it just won't be, it'll be among the people in your group more than it will be like at the bunker bar, you go down the bunker bar and there's 40 people jammed in there. Um, you know, you're meeting people from all over the place and, and certainly that'll happen in our clubhouse. But, uh, you know, I, I don't want to go try to replicate the bunker bar. The bunker bar is one of a kind. The bunker bar is all abandoned. Sure. And, uh, so what I have to try to think of are ways for us to, uh, make your stay uh, equally fun and exciting, um, within the parameters of of what we're working with.
0: Gotcha. So, one thing I found that was uh, interesting, and in, in, you know, among the many many interesting things that you just uh, uh, said there, Darren, was how it sounds like you're not allowed, or you know, the permits will not allow you guys to build any of the lodging on that same piece of property that the golf course is going to be on. But you have that adjacent property. So that begs the question: is how far away? Will the lodging be from the golf? Is it, it going to be outside of walking distance? Because I know, I mean, again, I I I don't want to keep you know comparing it to Bannon, but because it's the only you know Oregon Coast golf experience I have, it, it it's kind of what I'm basing a lot of this stuff off. Is is there going to be kind of like a shuttle that's going to be taking people between the two, um, the site where the golf course is going to be at? I know that originally the plan is to have a single 18 hole golf course with enough room to potentially maybe build another one. Um, are, are is the lodging going to be able to look out onto any portion of the golf courses. Like how, how is the actual layout of the resort going to be from, from what you can tell so far?
1: Yeah. So, so we can't until we, until we get destination resort status, we can't build lodging on the, on the golf course property. Um, but the land next door is close. And so, you know, golf carts back and forth, uh, it would be walkable. Um, you know, it'd be a, it'll be a fair walk, but it, it won't be like, um, you know, it might be like walking one of the trails from, um, from the cottages to up to the clubhouse at, at, uh, Bandon type of a thing. Oh, very um, but yeah, and, and we'll have people going back and forth for that. That's, that's not a problem. Um, it, it won't look onto, uh, my understanding is it won't look onto the golf course. It'll be tucked into, into more of its own grove of trees, uh, where it's at, um, you know, similar to Bandon, uh, you don't have any lodging other than if you're in the actual, you know, above the puffin right. that looks out onto the golf course. And I, I don't think that's that uh, that crucial. I think you want that that getaway. And most most people who are at the golf course in that case aren't, uh, you know, they're on the golf course mm-hmm. when you can see it. So, <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's also um, kind of nice. There's so much golf at It's like you almost need a little reprieve when you when you go down to rest your head for the night.
1: Right. And, and, and as far as views, I mean, for like dinner or sunset views, you would want to be in the clubhouse in the restaurant anyway, because uh, the advantage that we have at Pacific Gales is that the clubhouse is going to be built into the large dune overlooking the eighth and I mean the ninth and 18th fairways uh, and green, which is a, a plan to be a shared green. Um, so it will be much closer uh, to the cliff's edge and, and, and to the ocean view than most, uh, other places that you find on the, on the coast. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the way the, the planning
0: of it sets out. Interesting. Now I guess that, that begs my next question. I got to transition into the golf side of things here. So, um, obviously has the original course, has the routing already been set in stone or is that something that's kind of moving a little more fluidly with, uh, with Dave and, and all the other guys on his team that are kind of on the, the construction and development side of the golf course
1: set in stone is an, as a interesting term.
0: Um, <laughs> I guess the there golf is, course architecture, it's really, really tough to say that, but I mean, they have right. probably a pretty good general idea of the routing that they want to use.
1: There's a good routing with a few exceptions. I, I mean, I, I don't mean that it's not good in a few exceptions, but right. there's a, there's a routing in place that ha- with a few exceptions in terms of uh, trying to figure out a couple of, um, I don't want to call them trouble spots, but, but just some of the maneuverability of getting th- around the golf course in the best possible way. Um, you know, it, it's designed to be the only golf course out there. And, you know, because of that, we want to take advantage of, of all of the best pieces of land um, the best views and and really build something that, that wows people, um, across the board, regardless of what hole you're on. And so, you know, that there's a, there's a trick to that. And, you know, I've been working on the project for a number of years. Uh, there were parts of the property that I only saw for the first time just on a recent trip. And I was out there walking with Jim Haley, some of the South end of the property. And there are some, Tremendous holes. There's a long dune that kind of bisects the property all the way down. And you can almost see the golf holes that are going to be built between the dune and the, and the cliff mm-hmm. because they're, they're there. Um, but that dune is very narrow on the North end. And as you go South, it widens and, and kind of has, has, uh, its own little valleys in it. And there are golf holes that are going to be built up on top there that I think are going to be extraordinary. And so, trying to figure out how you get all of that together um at some point you have to go over that dune coming back uh on the on a stretch of the front nine there's gonna be a par five that plays up the dune um and and you got to figure out how to make that you know for your not seem like too much of a uh, of a test um physically for the people who are walking um you know, so there are lots of things that they're still working on, but there's a pretty good plan there, and when you look at it, you think, wow, this is, uh, uh, there's going to be a lot of good golf holes here, including uh, two par threes that, that play toward the ocean, uh, one that will be at number eight, the other one that will be at number 17, um, that will be, I think, just a load of fun for people to play.
0: That's so awesome. I'm just get, I'm getting goosebumps just in excitement for for when I finally get up there. Now, it, it, now you said you want to take advantage of all of the best pieces of the property that you can. So, um, it, am I correct in that I've heard that there's room for a second golf course if need be? But it sounds to me like you guys are planning on proceeding as if there's only going to ever be one. Is that fair to say? It's a very very big ranch. Okay. <clears throat> and there's there's room out there,
1: but um. My boss, Jim Haley, um, is just focused on building one really, really great golf course. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what happens after that? Uh, what happens if we got, if, if, if we were able to get uh, destination resort status for the, the Knapp Ranch land? Um, I, I don't know, but, uh, um, you know, Jim will tell you and, and it's you know, my contention that, uh. Uh, we're just focused on building one really really great golf course and uh, uh, a great service model and lodging property next door uh, to go with it so that's that's kind of where we're where we're at and the the property obviously um, you know it's got four the the current routing has four holes that play along the Pacific side of the ocean uh, and then two more holes that play. Um, well, kind of two more holes that play along the Elk River Canyon side, which is also all ocean view and looks out toward Cape Blanco lighthouse. So you've got six holes basically there that play um, right on the edge. And then, you know, the holes that play up in the dunes and the greens and, um, you know, hole number one is going to take you out toward the water so that you begin to get a glimpse of what's to come. Um, there's just a lot of uh, there's a lot of ocean views to be had out there and just a lot of beauty that uh, uh, I think will blow a lot of people away. God,
0: that's, it just sounds like it's just going to be so awesome. Um, I guess I'll a quick. So what is the actual size of the of the ranch uh, in terms of acres? Boy, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, it, it sounds like it is the thing that like hundreds my... and hundreds, maybe even borderline thousand acres or something out there
1: yeah i'm not sure uh, my brain doesn't work well with those types of stats <laughs> and so those are all things that have been said to me at some point and i know they're in our notes somewhere but i don't have the answer to you off the top of my head um you know it's a cattle ranch and it's been uh it's been a cattle ranch it's been in the Knapp family for you know uh, for a century um and so it's uh uh there's a lot of room out there it's interesting it's uh uh, the property feels in some ways like parts of uh, uh, the sheep ranch and it feels in some ways like parts of uh, the abandoned courses and uh, you know has its own uh, kind of quirks to it. than the 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 big dune um, that the other day I heard someone equate to the the dune that you play over on number three at old McDonald. but if wow. that dune were if that dune were much closer to the ocean, Um, it, kind of has that feel to it. So, um, there's a lot of great stuff out there and, and the thing for me is I can't, you know, I don't build golf courses for a living. I see them and I play them, but I don't build them for a living. And these guys do, you know, Jim and Dave and these guys, when they get on the shaper and they get in the dozers and they, they start to work their magic, um, I can't envision in my mind. I can't wrap my head around what some of these holes are going to look like on, on some of the flatter spots and even on the spots that are on the dunes sometimes. Um, so I can't wait to see their creativity go to work. I know that they see things in their head right now that they try to explain to me, uh, but I, because I haven't done this for you know for decades like those guys have, uh, I I'm excited to see what what kind of, uh, what they paint onto the canvas as opposed to, you know, what I think of in my head. So
0: yeah, totally. Well, as a guy that's had seen as much golf as you have, do you, have they ever come up to you and asked for your opinion on anything or it's like, bro, we, we got this. We're actually,
1: I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that they need my opinion on, on anything. Obviously there are things that I'm going to push for, um, just that I feel like from a playability standpoint and from a, um, from a design standpoint, you know, I, I think we talk about architecture and we talk about fun and we talk about length. Um, I I have pitched this to, to to both Dave and Jim. You know, I want to see a really good, well thought out uh, 5,500 yard routing out there that we call the Hickory Tees or we call it whatever we want, and I think it will be a phenomenal success for the 50 plus crowd who want to go out and just have fun. And the trick to that kind of a, of a yardage is not killing your par threes. I think too often we see golf courses where you've got black, blue, white, red in the team markers. And each of those has to be shorter than the next. And when you get up to the forward tees, you've turned a good par three into a 65 yard flip wedge. Right. And for me, if the 17th hole is going to be 135 yards um, and it's going to be the signature hole on the golf course, you know, signature par three because it's looking right out onto the water and it's, you know, hanging right on the corner of the property. If I'm playing the Hickory Tees, I probably still want to hit the 135 yard shot there. So why not? Why not make two or three of your tee boxes all together there as opposed to trying to artificially find a 90 yard shot or something like that to to it. And then make up your your other distance in the 425 or 400 plus yard par fours that now you find a better tee box to make that that par 4 360. For the guy who is playing hickory clubs or the guy who is the older guy, guys in his 60s or the guy like your dad who can't hit it as far possibly, you know, and so and, and then take one or two of the of the par fives and make, you know, make one of them build a tee box that makes it reachable with two great shots. You know, that's one of the things to me that's really exciting about the property is nine and 18 are going to join to get, you know, are going to come from different sides one from the north, one from the south, to this shared green on 9 and 18. Well, one of those, if you played Guinea golf on the Oregon coast, one of those holes is going to play into the wind and one of those holes is going to play downwind. So I'm hoping that those holes are built in a way where the one that's playing downwind, if you hit two great shots, is going to give you a chance at eagle Mm. every time. And the one that you're playing into the wind, you're going to struggle to make par. And together you're going to have a par 10 over those holes. And if you beat that par 10, you're going to, you're going to be giddy on that day. So, you know, I think it's things like that. Um, you know, I will offer as much, uh, input as I possibly can on the golf course, as much as they want. Uh, but these guys know what they're doing and, and, uh, Jim and Dave and Troy, um, and the crew that Jim's going to be bringing out are all guys who have worked with him on other projects. And, um, you know, they're going to build a golf course that's going to be fun. Uh, it's already on an extraordinary piece of land. And it's going to be a, 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 a great addition to the Oregon coast, no doubt about it.
0: God, it sounds really, really exciting. Um, I guess in terms of amenities and kind of features of the resort, um, is it going to be a walking only or will people have the option to uh, take a little buggy out if need be? It's been very important to Jim that we allow carts, um,
1: because of the older clientele. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's something that differentiates us, um, certainly just up the road at Bandon Crossings. You have a lot of people who will throw around at Bandon Crossings into their Bandon trip, uh, because they can go and take a cart. Um, now I'm not that guy. I'm going to want to walk the golf course and the golf course is going to be incredibly walkable. That's, you know, it's number one at the top of the, of the list and make sure. the golf course as walkable as possible, because I think that's how a lot of people play golf and a lot of people, uh, how a lot of people interact with Lynx golf. Um, uh, but the ability to be able to, uh, save yourself, uh, some walking, uh, will be, will be important as well. So, uh, uh, the plan as of now is that carts will be available. Um, you know, and, and that's going to be an operational issue too. And one of the many operational issues on all long lists I have, uh, of, of things that we have to address because you have to make sure everybody who gets on the first tee understands that, Hey, you can have a lot of walking people out there. You've got a lot of people, uh, you know, are going to be taking carts and those two things can coexist as long as everybody realizes and respects, uh, pace of play and and what's going on because, uh, you can't have guys jump out there and, and think, uh, well, pace of play out here is between four 15 and 4:40, let's say. Um, and, uh, you know, a guy, two guys hop out there in a golf cart and think they're going to go play it and play through everybody and get around in three hours and 15 minutes. That's, you know, that just makes it a, a bad experience for everybody. So, you know, those are the types of things that we're thinking about how to handle, um, that kind of
0: operations question overall. Sure. I this is like a little bit of a side note, but I mean, obviously, a golf cart can go faster than somebody can walk. But have you found, in general, that people that play in carts are actually faster in terms of the time it takes them to play around a round of golf versus walkers?
1: I think it's interesting, um, and I give this a lot of thought because I walk a lot, um, and I'm I'm actually working on a piece, kind of in the back of my head, that I'm gonna write for Golf News net about this, but. I found that people, that certainly walkers who know what they're doing, um, can play every bit as fast or faster than people in golf carts. We have two guys in a golf cart, and you're having to go from hole, you know, from shot to shot, and you're having to deal with your clubs in the bag, you know, before you take off and all that kind of thing. You you build in some things in time um, that maybe you don't have for the guy who's walking. Um, that said, too, the older I get and the longer it takes me to get around just a perfectly flat golf course walking, you know, when I go to Bandon and I walk, I don't think if if I'm in a foursome of guys, if, if there were four of me, and I know that's a shocking, scary thought, <laughs> but if there are four of me and we're all out, we're playing hickories and we're walking on the golf course and we're trying to walk old McDonald. I don't think four of me get around in less than four hours just because of the walk itself. It's a harder walk. And when you begin to throw in weather, you begin to throw in the occasional lost ball. um, You know, then you begin to understand why rounds at various golf courses get longer and longer. Um, And I think at least driving a cart helps with that. Because uh, I forget where I was just the other day playing golf, but um, there were guys ahead of me in a cart and I, kept, I would catch them from time to time. But I wanted no part of, getting, of going through them because even though I was playing as a single and these three guys were in carts, even if I caught them on a green somewhere, there were long enough walks between the greens and tees that I knew I couldn't stay ahead of them. Because they would pick up that time on the uh, on going from hole to hole and certainly going to their ball in the fairway. So I think it's a tricky thing, and and I don't know that there's a, a good answer to that question. I'm going to try to work it out scientifically, and and see if there is an answer to it in this piece I'm working on. But uh, I may never find the right answer.
0: No, that would be fantastic. I, I would love it if you could find the answer because I. At least for me, like my dad raised me to just be a walker. It sounds like you and I are very, very similar in our uh, our golfing habits and rituals. But for some reason, unless you're allowed to drive the cart on the golf course and and there's no 90-degree rule, there's no cart path only rule, I feel like I always play faster when I walk. And there has to be, you know, I guess if you're in the cart and you can just drive bang, 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 there I could see it being faster. But with so many 90-degree rules and cart path only rules being implemented, Ooh, that just, that just cannot be good for pace of play.
1: Yeah. I'd rather walk, I'd rather walk than have car path only anytime on any golf course, pretty much, except, except maybe Cavera down in, in Cabo where you have to climb the side of a mountain to get (laughs) up to the really cool holes. But, um, yeah, I, I, think that's, you know, that's the question is, you know, how long does it really take to walk? Um, and that pace changes if you're in your 20s, if you're in your 30s, if you're in your 40s, if you're in your 50s, um, you know, it it begins to get different. Now, I carry a a McKenzie Walker bag and I only play with eight golf clubs. So, you know, I've got a fairly light load. Um, But friends I go out with, you know, pull a trolley. Uh, But sometimes you pull a trolley and it causes you more problems than than not. You know, uh, we talked about Pacific Dunes. Um, You know, when you get on the back nine of Pacific Dunes, there are a couple spots where um, if you're a walker, you know, you just hustle up the path or you hustle up the steps to get up to, to some place. Mm-hmm. And if you're pulling a trolley, uh, you know, you have to go around and kind of a circumvented way to get up there because the golf course isn't, it, it was, it was designed with people thinking in mind, you know, having your bag over your shoulder or having a caddy take yeah. your bag. So, um, which is the other thing we'll do at, at at Pacific Gales, you know, we'll have a full caddy program, um, and when, when resort guests are using carts, um, most likely we'll we'll have a four caddy built into that process as well because uh, there's a lot of uh, you know we, we just we don't want golf carts going off the cliff to be honest with you.
0: That's that's probably a good point. And I you took the words right out of my mouth. My next question was going to be about the caddy program. I think that's excellent. Um, and, and just out of curiosity, what's what's the tentative plan for? Uh, in terms of the amount of rooms, like what what did you, what do you anticipate the guest capacity being when uh, you guys do finally open? And I guess that the other question would be, assuming that you guys get to break ground later this year, which maybe you can you share a little bit of news on kind of how that process is going. But w- what what do you see the capacity of the resort being when it finally opens up?
1: We we want to build twenty one units that are four bedrooms and they're all double lock. So uh, we'd like to have one hundred and sixty eight beds. Okay. That, that, that would be great. Be more than that'll be more than enough for what we need, Absolutely. given given the golf course. Um, uh, the timeline. I mean, obviously, we're in the final stages of fundraising right now. Uh, we had worked on a founders club program. Um, the founders club is going to close. Uh, stop taking applications um, the Sunday of the Players Championship. And people who want to be Founders Club members uh, will have to have all their paperwork done and their money in by uh, the Sunday of the U.S. Open. If somebody's uh, int-
0: I don't mean to interrupt you there, Darren, but if somebody's interested in putting in an application for the Founders Club, uh, how, how would they go about doing that?
1: They go to PacificGales.com, reach out to us there. Um, we'll get you all the information. The Founders Club is basically fifty thousand dollars. It's a one-time payment. It buys you a lifetime of golf uh, for you and your family. It's uh, discounts for accompanied guests, uh, discounts on lodging. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of great stuff. It's I've called it before on our podcast one of the greatest deals in golf. Um, but it's a tough sell too. I mean, if you're not a person who lives nearby, you've got to try to figure that out. And you've got to be somebody who's got fifty thousand dollars. You know that you you know, can't think of a place to put better. So, um, because of that, we're, we're looking at equity financing now as well. And we've had some, we've had some, uh, we've had quite a bit of, of interest now that the permitting process is done and the, the water pipeline, uh, uh, has been approved that we're going to, we're going to get a of water from, uh, for reuse from the city of Port Orford. Uh, all of that stuff is done. We're ready, ready literally to break ground as soon as we have the financing in place and um, if we were to get it financed in the next six months, we would start building uh, this year with the goal of opening, uh, hopefully full opening in spring of 2020. So that's, uh, that's kind of the timeline we're working on right now. But, um, you know, it's never been a better – we've never been closer to breaking ground than we are right now because sure. all the permitting was uh, land, land planning. And land use laws uh, the, and the process in Oregon is crazy. Um, people are able to try to put hurdles in your way without even having a, a stake in the area or the project. And so we had to fight a lot of things uh, over the years. And, and these guys have, uh, Jim and Dave, have done a tremendous amount of work uh, to battle to where we are to be able uh, to be in the position to to really start building. Uh, as soon as we put the money in place and and we've had some, you know, like I said, we've had some conversations. We had an offer uh, uh, to purchase the whole thing. Um, but uh, these guys have taken it to this point and they've run with the ball and they want to build something that uh, that really has been close to their heart for all these years and and I think it's gonna be something pretty special.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. now, would uh, have Jim Dan been the the Howard McKees, if you will, have they been the guys that have been, you know, spearheading the whole permitting part of the process and kind of negotiating those tumultuous waters, if you will? Yeah. Jim, Jim Haley tells me all the time he's become, um,
1: more of an expert in land planning than he ever thought he would have to be and more than he ever wanted to be. So, uh, um, them with a team of, of, uh, Lawyers and engineers and, you know, a great team of people around us who have helped us through the process uh, to get to where we are and tremendous community support. I mean, the people when we're in talking to the people of Port Orford, they are so excited to get the thing going. Uh, So many businesses who want to, you know, who who see what it could bring, have seen what what happened to Bandon with Bandon Dunes coming in and are already starting to make plans of how they can you know, not only expand their businesses, but, uh, try to work arm in arm with us, uh, you know, to help accommodate the, the many people who are going to be coming in. And, um, you know, it's just, a uh, it's a tremendous place. It's a great, it's a great town. And, uh, you know, the first time I was ever there, I ate dinner at, at uh, redfish is a restaurant gallery called redfish there. And, uh, I looked at my wife and I said, "I want to live here someday." And this was long before I'd ever heard about the golf course, and so it's just it's it's a wonderful place, wonderful people on the Oregon coast, and and Curry County I think really deserves uh, to have something like this to really help, um, you know, add to the to the uh, economic
0: vitality uh, of the area. It's going to be so exciting. Is there is there any uh, aside from the founders club? Is there any way if, if somebody's listening to this and they're trying to figure out, hey, I, I would love to be able to help out. Is there any method uh, besides the Founders Club where people can give you support either monetarily or volunteer something to help you guys out with the process? Or are you guys just kind of focused on getting that first little bit of the Founders Club uh, memberships kind of finished and going from there?
1: I don't know. We're always looking. We're, I'm open to all kinds of ideas. So, uh, I mean, you can reach out to me through the Pacific Gales website or obviously you can reach out to me on Twitter. Um, at Pacific Gales or uh, my own Twitter uh, at Getaways Golf, and um, you know, I, I, one of the things I've learned in this business over you know 20 years now is that um, a lot of times people come up with ideas that you just never even thought of. And so, you know, if if you got some kind of concept or idea or something, uh, hit me up. I'm uh, we're all ears, and we're you know we're looking for the best way to finance the project and get it going because, uh, you know, we all want to get it in the ground and start building it and, and, and really, you know, see it come to life.
0: Absolutely, man. Well, you've got a fan in me. If there's anything I can do either personally or, you know, through golf guide or however it could be, if there's something we can do to help you out, I would, I would love to be able to help because it just, it's, you know, being involved in any way with something as exciting as a specific Gales project, has just gotta be an absolute thrill.
1: Oh man, it's been, uh, it's been a blast. You know, like anything, it can be frustrating at times when you when you wish it were, you know, you wish it were already going. But uh, uh, it's been an absolute blast working with these guys and and uh, and learning from these guys. I learn more about architecture every day as I'm talking to Jim and Dave and um, and Troy and you know agronomy and all, all these different things that that I've seen in the golf business as I've been around and I've talked to various people. But but when you really get into a project like this and and really understand what goes into building something like this. It's um uh you know it's just uh it's it's a lot of fun and it's a learning experience and uh something I'll never forget.
0: Hundred percent. Well Darren, I'll tell you what, you have given me two hundred and fifty percent effort and time of what we originally (laughs) talked about too. But you jumped on here. So I am going to quit savaging and stealing your afternoon. I cannot thank you enough man for uh, for all the time and all the the great conversation um, before I let you go uh, one more time where, where can people find you if they want to you know start following golf news net golf getaways learn more about pacific ales where are all the different places beyond social media and other spots people can find you you can find us on twitter i'm at
1: getaways golf i manage that account um, I also have a hand in the Pacific Gales account, so uh, you might be talking to me two different directions if you <laughs> if you're on those. Um, you get you can get a hold of Mitch, my cohort, uh, at Mitch Lawrence, L A U R A N C E. Golf News Net has its own at Golf News Net, and uh, Ryan Ballengee has his own, who uh, he also uh, the guy who runs Golf News Net. Um, on Instagram, I'm the other way around. It's get it's Golf Getaways there on Instagram, and um, those are kind of the key ways, man, to reach out to us. And um, uh, I'm I'm on Twitter more than I am anything else. And so, if you're looking to say hi or ask me a question or ask me literally any question about travel, uh, you know, I'm always up for answering and and offering up whatever uh, whatever I love about the game of golf and uh, traveling around the world to
0: play it. Absolutely. And speaking of traveling and golfing. Where can people find your and Mitch's exquisite audio podcast? Oh yes, Talking Off Getaways podcast
1: is available uh, at iTunes. It's also available on Audio Boom and Stitcher, and I think we're on iHeartRadio Radio now. There we go, moving uh, up in the world. I have not, uh, I have not uh, tested that yet, but um, um, I listen to everything through iTunes podcast personally. Uh, so that's that's the way I do it. And there is a. Uh, There's a post. Obviously, we do a blog post for every episode uh, on Golf News Net. We have our own page on Golf News Net now. And um, Ryan is quickly building one of the larger um, golf podcast networks uh, around. And so we have a handful of podcasts, including a couple that he he does himself uh, on there. And so, um, you know, if you're looking for great golf content when you're not listening to the Golf Guide podcast, Uh Um, you know, feel free to check us out at golf news Net and, and, uh, you know, dive into everything we've got to offer there. And, uh, you'll find some kind of podcast for your liking. I'm sure. Hopefully.
0: Oh, Darren, you are the man. Thank, thank you again for, uh, for everything, brother. I really do appreciate it. It was a lot of fun, man. All right. And, uh, that's a wrap everybody. Thank you very much uh, for listening. Uh, without you, this would just be me talking to myself in an office somewhere. You you guys are the ones that really make this exceptional. And for that, I appreciate you, and I appreciate you uh, taking the time to listen, and I hope this uh, improves some aspect of your, uh, your enjoyment of the game of golf. So anyway, the, today's episode was, as always, brought to you by golfguide.net, a great place to go and save 20 to 70% uh, on golf at uh, courses all across Northern California. Uh, Use the promo code GGPODCAST and get 10% off all purchases of $50 or more. (laughs) Look at that. You listen to the podcast, saving some money. Double whammy. Ba-bing. And then also, this episode was brought to you by Health IQ, a life insurance agency uh, that works uh, in a a way that's very similar to auto insurers uh, in the way of good driver discounts. Well, you know what? Health IQ offers good health discounts. If you are someone who takes care of yourself, uh, you treat your body with respect, unlike myself or, or many other golfers out there, if you are one of the guys that actually enjoys feeling good and being healthy, well, you should go look into Health IQ uh, and see if they can save you a little bit of money on your life insurance policy. Go to healthiq.com forward slash golf guide or mention golf guide when you speak to a Health IQ representative. One more time, that's healthiq.com forward slash golf guide to see if you qualify today. All right, that is it. Uh, We will be back next week. You know, it it is going to be about a week and a half before things kick off at Augusta National next week. But you know what? I just don't freaking care. We are getting into our big Masters preview next week. We're going to blow it all out. Uh, I I am going to continue to just watch nothing but uh, Masters uh, tournaments of yesteryear in anticipation. Uh, So I hope you guys get a chance to do the same uh, this week and this weekend. Uh, So until next time, take care, everybody, and mahalo.